Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Story Show. Show. And we are so excited to be here with Vicki DeArmond, who has been in the publishing business for 30 years. She started her career by founding Foghorn Press in San Francisco in 1985 at the age of 25. And as its publisher, growing it to a multi-million dollar uh, enterprise, publishing 20 titles a year before selling it in 2001. From 2008 to 2016, she served as the marketing and events director for Copperfield's Books 8 stores, developing its nationally recognized events program. She's produced thousands of author events, specializing in creating large collaborations, which she continues to do through her new company, All Things Book. She also consults to the book trade, and occasionally she pops up as a bookseller at events that interest her, such as Sonoma County Writers Camp. She's also a fiction, a writer of short fiction that has won some acclaim, but her interrupted MA from San Francisco State University, 1985, is a testimony to the tension between her two passions, entrepreneurship and writing. Yeah, and I, you know, when I was reading that, did you sort of wish you had sold your books, like maybe your book uh, publishing company, like about a year before 2001? <laughs> Yeah, things got critical right about then. I, I think I could have got much more for sure. You're like, there was, nope. a, there was a little bailout to small presses right around then. Yeah, uh-huh. I will. A little bit of like nobody's ever going to travel again. Well, the dot-com bubble uh. just went... And so, yeah, that was so, oh, that was my first big layoff. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and then all the uh, small presses were starting to uh, get... Um, purchased by all the larger companies that was the first wave of that Mm. and so yeah we caught that we caught that tailwind (laughs) (laughs) it was a great time though i don't know the 90s in san francisco with the book publishing industry was just um you know there's there's no time like it um you know just what you could do and you're right because the whole dot-com thing was happening at the same time and everybody's empowered they have their home you know their personal computer and Everybody's publishing. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is, well, we'll, we'll get to all of that because there's so much to pick your brilliant brain about. Um, really quickly, Ange, what are you working on? Long silence. That's not quick. Yes. I don't know. You're still, you're still just in, in this other thing that's taking you off, off field. So that's so okay. you tell people oh, what you're well, doing. I'm I'm doing 500 words a day on my new project, and sometimes it feels like something's happening, and sometimes it doesn't. And then I'm also doing the agent hunt thing, and exciting things are happening, but I can't talk about it at all, or I'll throw up. <laughs> so more on that later. I've been very open about the ups and downs of all of this, um, but I'll just leave it at that for right now. <laughs> yes, she's in a bit of a mania at this moment. Yeah. But I'm so, so excited to be talking to Vicki. Vicki, so what are you working on sort of right now, like this week? For myself, for my business, oh. I'm working on, oh my gosh. <laughs> My gosh, there is so much I'm working on that it's almost like I can't work on it because I'm paralyzed Mm. because there's a million directions. I'm setting up a fall um, events program. I used to do this regularly for Copperfields. And so I've I've decided to take the summer to book uh, a bunch of authors and get authors together because I meet with the publishers in New York through the Book Expo and just to pick out sort of a, you know, and deliver a, um, a whole, you know, 
sort of a series, I guess, a number of series of book events. And so those will all be thematic and stuff. So there's just a big, mm. uh, it's hard to describe because, you know, it sounds like what you're going through where everything is sort of like uh, festering right now. And then I'm not really sure where it's all going to come out, but then I'll come out with a big, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you just, you, you just got back from, from book expo then. Oh my gosh. It was so great. I, I don't know. I think I might live for this event. It, 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 there's two book events that are so, that just, you know, make me so excited. One is the Book Expo in New York. And they were going to move it out of New York, but now it's back in New York. And um, so, you know, I go in there three days. I meet with like 12 publishers a day. And it's mm-hmm. like in, or just, you know, this sort of frenzy thing. And um, and it's just really great. So, it, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can really sort of see, the state of the industry in one, you know, in three days um, time period. So that was really exciting. And then they also have the um, Winter Institute that's put on by the American Booksellers Association. That's usually in, you know, in some town that has a great independent bookseller. So next um, year we're going to go to Albuquerque and, you know, we've been to all these different places, but that's a little more intimate. And, and one, one of the things, I used to be a book publisher, right? So when you're a book publisher, you kind of fight for elbows and space, but once you're a bookseller in this sort of realm, then the publisher's sort of like, oh, you know, they're wooing you and, you know, they're taking people to dinner and trying to, you know, trying to get you to purchase books mm. and things like that. So it's a whole different um, approach. And I like this side. Mm. <laughs> so, the, so those are the two, those are your two favorite events, those two? Those two for the book industry, yes, yeah, ma'am. Yeah. I so, love them. And so you said it kind of, you kind of get it, you get a, a temperature read on the industry. So since this just happened at the end of May, right? Um, what what what's your take on the, the the book industry's temperature? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of discussion right now in the book industry about diversity and how. You know, the diversity of not only the authors, but the publishing staff isn't really reflective of the population. Mm -hmm. So that has been a conversation for the last two years that have just really driven these uh, trade organization meetings um, almost to a frenzy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I think two years ago we almost had a revolt. It was pretty intense. And then Roxanne Gay came and slapped us around a little (laughs) bit about last year. And it was really, it was good. She says, she goes, I didn't want to say the word diversity anymore. (laughs) She says, you know what to do. Mm. And uh, so, and the industry has really taken it to heart. So, you know, there's a long ways to go, but um, there's a lot of, you know, older white women like me in the, in the book business for sure. But um, it, it's pretty exciting though. So that that's a, that's one of the showcase things that we're trying to do. And then the second thing is there's always this report because I'm a bookseller, right? Um, I have my online bookstore and I um, do pop-up events all through the Bay area and stuff. And one of the things that uh, they do is sort of a state of the industry with booksellers. And, you know, there's more booksellers this year than there were last year. Great. And Great. yeah, and that's always a good sign. And then the relative health of the booksellers is up because, you know, when we went through that that first decade in, uh, of the 2000 time period was really rough on booksellers and there was a lot of fallout so you know in some ways a lot of the weaker branches got trimmed <laughs> <torn off. laughs> 
Could I said that nicer? No. And but the the ones who persisted were people who had really creative solutions and thoughts about how to um, you know improve their business and do customer service. So you know distinguishing what independent book selling does as a niche when it doesn't represent that much of the marketplace mm-hmm. is part of what we do at those shows. Mm-hmm. To say you know and you'll find it. I, I think I mentioned this. I, you were both there at the at the Sonoma County Writers Camp when I said this, but one of the things is a lot of the taste making comes through book selling, um, through the booksellers. Um, you'll find that even though I think, I can't remember what the percent of the market is, it's something horrible like 4%. Um, you'll find a lot of the book publishers are, are um, very keen on getting books into the hands of booksellers or bookselling buyers because um, – you know, whole waves of purchasing happen related to that. So if um, independent booksellers like it, a lot of times it'll just push that book into a bestseller mm. status. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it's kind of exciting. So that's one of the things I think a lot of times, you know, I know you have a lot of authors who listen to this. I think one of the things that you might not recognize as an author is the importance of independent book selling beyond just for your particular book. That when you're doing an event, you know, you have, you, let's say you have four people in the audience, you also have that bookseller in the audience, right? The where you are at that bookstore, and that's the person who's going to keep your book in stock, and who's going to recommend it, and who's going to hand sell it. At Copperfields, I did so many events, and I would. Um, our Healdsburg store, for instance, uh, they did a, I did some events, uh, up there and, you know, three and four years later, those titles were hand sold by those booksellers for four years mm. and still appear on the Copperfields bestseller list. Wow. It's crazy. So yeah. what is, okay. So you're, so a prospective author, an author, you know, with a forthcoming book, uh, what should they be doing? What should they know about the industry and how should they be approaching booksellers or working with this situation? Well, it's it, you know it's a situation right now because booksellers really can't deal with um, a lot of um, they don't have a system for dealing with a lot of self publishers. No, yes. so it's sort of like from what track are you coming? If but, if you're coming from um, a publisher, you know, with any sort of distribution, they're going to have people who try to place you in. Um, you know, publicity tours and things like that, if they're going to spend that kind of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of authors now are hiring their own people for that. And that's, that's also a nice representation to have somebody like, you know, professionally call for you and so on. Right. Um, I mean, but, but I'll, I'll say like, even at Copperfields, when we had uh, local authors, we were anxious to have, you know, we wouldn't seek them out, but when they sought us out and you know that somebody's going to have a launch event at your store and they're going to bring in 60 people, mm-hmm. that's a good day for an independent bookstore, right? You got 60 people loving that author, so they're going to order in books and everything. So there's a lot of ways to work with your specific, you know, what I would say is adopt your local independent bookstore, mm-hmm. you know, make sure they know who they you are and they know mm-hmm. who you are and you're just in there as a customer all the time. And, you know, um, and so when your book comes in, it's like you already have that relationship, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's one thing. I think distribution is probably the, you know, the hardest thing because if you're self-published, you really don't have distribution. You have passive distribution. Yeah. So no, you've got, you can wait for people to order it from the wholesaler, wholesaler, you know, uh, distributor, and that's, or you know, or go on, you know, online and order it. And it's, 
you know, it's a little more tricky. You're not going to get a whole lot of volume that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, personal fortunes have been lost on self-publishing. Unless yeah. you do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking more. I mean, I have three students with forthcoming books, one a memoir from St. Martin's, one a novel from Counterpoint, and one a kind of potential crossover academic book from Oxford Press. Wow. So, but they're all sort of, you know, w- wondering, like, what is my role here? What is, you know, what do I need to do? Well, as the budgets get crunched and we're finding not as many people are touring now, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, the big dollars get thrown behind, uh, you know, the bigger author names. Um, you know, I've, I've seen authors, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, Elizabeth, is the um, uh, Kitchens of the Midwest, that novel. Uh, the author of that particular book, when it came out, he just sort of got in his car and went from store to store and visited people and developed those relationships. I don't know if he called ahead or not, but, um, you know, and, and somehow that book rose to uh, be recognized by indie booksellers and was awarded the, you know, independent bookstore, uh, independent book of the year uh, for fiction by the indie bookstore. So um, I think one thing, the first thing to do is find out how much is your publisher going to do? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How yeah. much are they going to really do? And then, you know, to sort of marshal your resources and see how much you're willing to do. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, a cost probably prevents a national campaign. <laughs> right. It, 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 but it does strike me that, you know, a lot of times people are like, my book is so unique that it is not a particular genre or my audience for this book is everyone. <laughs> and it does strike me that if you're, you know, going to be doing some kind of marketing for yourself, understanding who you're actually marketing to, even through a bookseller, would be helpful, right? To be able to say to yourself, well, um, you know, I'm interested in, you know, a certain kind of audience member and I've got a hundred dollars. So how can I spend that hundred dollars to reach those people? I'm obviously I'm just saying a hundred cause the math is easier, but um, I imagine that publishers have an idea of who the audience for certain books are and uh, probably yeah. invest in a certain way. Well, I think booksellers are a great authority that way to go in and have that conversation with a bookseller is a, a really good idea. I think that the other, the underlying thing that you're talking about there is to have some uh, familiarity with the publishing business and what the, what the expectations are. I mean, I've had um, you know friends of mine who got a major advance and still they're disappointed with you know what the publisher did to promote the book and. Um, you know, so, you know, what is the publisher going to do for you and how does the publishing industry work? I've had, I know other people, um, Melissa C- uh, Sistero, who works at Book Passage, you know, she was a writer first and then she got the job at the bookstore so she could learn the book industry. Mm, because, you know, if you quiz me, I, I can tell you who the top five publishers are in the world right now. Mm. And then I, but if you ask probably most authors, they might not be able to know that fact, you know, and, and then how distribution works and what the uh, limitations are in the publishing industry. Uh, also, I think a lot of things that's real, uh, that's super shocking to authors is that short shelf life, right? Yeah. You publish the book, it's a front list for a season and then it's backlist. And once it moves to backlist, it's like the promotion goes away and then you're like, what, excuse me? You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. so for, for those of us who are not familiar with the phrase a season, uh, you know, how long is a season? 
Well, there's been a whole consolidation of seasons. I write pitches for author events, and I used to write them for um, fall and spring and winter, and actually there used to be kind of a summer season. But now they're sort of like all stuck together. So there's just basically two fat seasons, okay? There's the spring, which sort of leads into the summer, and then there's the fall, which kind of gives you – they tack on the tail end of the winter. Hmm. Um, But the big season in publishing is fall. When I used to be the publisher, though, at Foghorn Press, we did sports and recreation guides. So, you know, California camping was spring. So if you have a certain genre, sometimes uh, that that genre will be more popular in in an off-season. But that's evening out a little bit. But you'll find most of the big books, and that's why the book book expos in May. Because when we go in there, we're talking about fall books. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll go through the halls of that. Every publisher has a booth, and you'll see all the the big front list books that are coming. And, um, you know, you'll pick up a advanced reading copy, find out what the publicity is, and, you know, you'll determine your interest in that book. And they'll do tons of author signings there. You know, I mean, mm. booksellers are kind of big, you know, geeky book fans, you know, and author fans. So we'll just stand in line for hours to, you know, have somebody just sign our book. <laughs> So, you know, we're an extension of the, uh, of the, of the reader. Yeah. Okay. So you're also a writer and I've heard a little bit of your writing and and loved it. And, and one of the things I wanted to know is, so one of the things people talk about all the time is, you know, how much you can or should, or, you know, even would be possible to play to the market and how to keep the market out of your head when you're creating and, you know, that whole sort of thing. And you, I mean, you're just like on the pulse of the market. (laughs) How does that impact your own creativity and how do you try to think about the two? I go around about it quite a bit. I, you know, for me, um, in terms of like all the contacts in the publishing industry that I have, you'd think as a writer, you know, I'd be just like skipping through the hay. But um, in fact, I feel like I have a million seeds, but I never go and cultivate them Mm. because I'm so busy with my businesses. So, um, but I, I ponder these questions all the time myself. And I really actually enjoy the idea that you just write for you know, what you want to write um, and and don't try to pander to the industry because this whole idea of, um, you know, well, this isn't popular now or, you know, all the stuff that possibly agents might tell you or whatever, that's their business to tell you. But your job is to write the best book you can write. And I think that, you know, chasing that – chasing like what you think is a good thing. I, I don't think it always renders the best art. <laughs> so so my book, The Girl on the European Train in Berlin, is not. <laughs> the, if you can add the tattoo. Yes. The girl with the tattoo. A girl with a tattoo of a train in Paris with, is my book. With some, some kind of Harry Potter. Yes. Well, Harry Potter. And also I'm finding this little trend, like if you can drop, you know, book selling or bookstore, the bookstore thing into the title, right? It's like the booksellers are all over that too. Right. And that seems to just sort of linger on. So <laughs> I, I, I have thought about pandering to that a little bit because my book does involve book publishing. <laughs> That's great. And right. So. And, and there's your platform too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, this whole thing of, um, I don't know. I, you know, e- even in the industry, seeing people who get published every day, 
and still having that gap between, you know, I've had uh, short stories published and stuff, but I haven't had my fiction published, but I haven't submitted it either. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. <laughs> yes. Novel, right? Or, you know, so, you know, I'm not really sure what the gap is that I'm waiting to discover between what really you can envision is possible with your work and then what can really happen. But, you know, I know enough people in the industry, sometimes you read their books and you're like, geez, you know, they got published, uh, you know. It's a very- <laughs> That's always a great place to start as an artist. I could totally do that better. Um, but it's interesting because as an entrepreneur, you know, do you ever apply some of your business thinking to your art? Well, I think the way I think is very uh, is evident both ways, which is a, a, I have a deep collaboration model and a deep sort of like, let's integrate everything. So, I mean, that's probably the reason that I haven't finished my book is because I keep throwing more things in it mm. and trying to make it, you know, deeper and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I probably should just leave it the hell alone and send it off. But um but that's the way I am also, you know, in events and marketing campaigns is I want to involve as many parties in it as possible. I want to have as many. I don't like just win-win. You know, I like it. Win, 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 win. You know, I'm like a lot of people engaged. And, um, you know, like right now I'm doing a project for the um, – it just hit the stores for the uh, California bookstores, the independent bookstores. I'm doing their campaign and their catalog called California Summer Reads. So we just mm. put together this, you know, eight page catalog of great titles. And um, we're doing all the marketing and social media, but we're doing it all up and down California. So, you know, we're playing with the publishers, we're playing with the booksellers, we're playing with newspapers where we're inserting 400,000. We're talking, you know, mm. AAA mm. is promoting, you know, there's there's a lot of people who are, you know, fanning the fire for that. And that's the kind of thing I enjoy. I enjoy pulling all that together. So I think that impulse is probably the same impulse from, you know, that's I, when I was in uh, San Francisco State and I was you know, in my first year of my, um, master's program for writing, the teacher said, I think maybe the form of the novel is better for you than the short story because you keep trying to Um, (laughs) bring so much into the party. (laughs) Okay. Here's my brief foray into writing coaching, unasked for writing coaching, but the difference between your win, 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 win events and your book is one thing, which is the deadline. Ah, yeah. Right? So, like, because you're you're doing this thing and you're doing all you can and it's like this explosion of wonderful things, but it's all going to happen by this date. Or it's I think gonna... that's true. You know, like, uh, uh, two years ago, I said, oh, this year I'm writing all year and I had a great writing year. I got a lot of publications and that and it, and it hasn't happened since because I haven't paid any attention <laughs> and I haven't set a deadline, right? I've only been doing my entrepreneurial work. And I, I think you're right. And I think um, there's also like on a psychological level, there's this, uh, it's easier to do, you know, what I'm doing with events and support other authors. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look, if you look at it, like it's a dysfunction, you could say that I have a career of codependence for other writers because <laughs> I published them at Foghorn and then I, you know, and then I promoted them at Copperfield. So it's always about, you know, here's your showcase here. I'm handing it to you, you know, and, and I love doing that, but you know, whether I will stand in that light is, you know, I'm not really clear yet. (laughs) I hope so. And I, I think writers are, are generally so generous, you know, that's what one thing I've found and, um, and you're, and you're no exception. Yeah. (laughs) 
writers are some of my favorite people. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's hard. Other booksellers and writers are, you know, the best readers. And so when you can read, you know, something and really appreciate, you know, what you're reading with somebody else and really have that affinity. I just finished a great book. Gosh, what is it? It's called, um, Virgil Wander by Leif Enger, who wrote a piece like a river. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite books of all time. And it's out. It's not out until October. So I'm just like totally torturing you. (laughs) (laughs) This is something booksellers like to do. And they do this on the New York Times book review podcast. Like they're always like, I can't talk about this amazing book I'm reading because it's not out yet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you you plebe get to your bookstore, you can take a look. Yeah, you can look at the picture and still not get the book that's coming out. But no, um, you know, it really was nice because, frankly, I sort of set aside reading, you know, reading the way I was reading because I, you know, I mean, I I consider myself a big reader. I know booksellers who read 300 books a year, but, you know, like generally I would read, I try to read my age. Oh, nice. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I, I had fallen off my pace because I was so into my entrepreneurial stuff. And then this book just sort of like threw me right back in like, oh, my God, how much do I love fiction? Mm. How much do I love this, this person's ability to render this world? And I just was um, – so I'm, I'm back in. Yay. Yay. All right. Before yeah. we go to our last thing, if, if you – you know – if you had one piece of advice to give uh, authors whose books are about to be published, uh, what would it be? What would it be? Well, I think that, you know, it would carry my um, my perspective, which is the, the bookseller perspective, you know, that you need to be friends with your bookseller and you need to work with your bookseller. The independent bookseller could could create just what you need to promote your book. Um, you know, it's a risk. You have to be kind of careful, though, because um, if you're self-published or, or you're having, you could be annoying to the bookseller if they don't have a system for it. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. But so you have to <laughs> you have to work within the confines of what they do. And so I think, you know, to be a friend to your local bookseller and then to understand the book industry. You know, to understand it any way you can, to be around it and ask questions about it. So I think the worst thing I see is that people's expectations are um, askew mm-hmm. based on, you know, we all have the dream like when we're eight and we're reading and the book we're going to write and how that's going to be. And we all have our speech prepared mm-hmm. <laughs> when they ask us to present it. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it doesn't work out like that. So, you know, to really, um, I think. Um, that understanding of the industry is very critical. What are the ch- best channels to understand the industry? Like I, I like publishers marketplace, uh, book reviews, um, besides your book by besides the actual wonderful conversations with your local bookseller. What are, what are ways to understand the industry? I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like you could do like Melissa Sestero did, which is you could work for a bookstore. That would be one way. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I often I often wonder why I don't have a whole list of interns who want to work with me because I would take them to book expo. Mm. <laughs> right. I mean, mm. there's things I would do to educate them. I mean, to be around people who understand the industry, because to me now, 30 years later, it's second nature who who the players are and all that kind of thing. But I remember very clearly that it wasn't that way at some point. It's like, well, who are they? Who are they? And, you know, not knowing that. So, I mean, it's like anything where you're stunning a field. It's like you're going to pick up pieces and then it's going to all fit together at some point, unknown point down the road. But um, so I think it would be, um, 
you know, to, and also you could participate in uh, the trade shows uh, as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Like we have the Discovery Show from the Northern California Independent Booksellers Association every fall. That might be something you could do. Uh, we're trying now. I'm a I, I'm a former board member for that trade association, and one of the things we're thinking about is how to um, really facilitate um, membership so that people can understand that book industry a little bit better and start playing within it, so that we can also have a sort of a reservoir of future employees, nice. because you know nobody necessarily wants to work in the book business because of the uh, pay, even though you might get that 40% discount on books. <laughs> Which is yeah, might offset your expenditures, so then you even out. It's like it's like benefits. Yes. You're working for free, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, <laughs> I always thought that was a great benefit to be able to go down there and, uh, you know, get a book at a discount and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll think a little bit more about that. But I, those are the those are the ways. And then you could read the industry. You could um, subscribe to the industry publications. I mean, I would say like Publishers Weekly, but frankly, I don't really read it all the way through. I read uh, like Shelf Awareness, which is more for booksellers. And so there's publications like that. But I think it is kind of an interesting thing to see what deals are being made, like Publishers Weekly will announce like who got published and, you know, for what deal and so on. And that's an interesting thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, some people learn about the industry by working with agents, you know, right. Another thing, too, which is a kind of good thing. We have to be somewhat limited here in the San Francisco Bay Area because or a small publisher would be good. Um, you know, we don't have we're not in the hotbed of New York. You know, and there was a time back in the 90s where we were we were vying with them, you know, with all of our small presses and so on to be that kind of uh, place. And, you know, but we do have like the book festivals here. We have Litquake. I mean, there's a lot of activity that's literary and, uh, you know, it's a little bit author based as opposed to publishing based. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, there's stuff to learn. Cool. All right. It is time for Steal This, uh, in, in which, uh, since T.S. Eliot said amateur poets borrow, professional poets steal, we discuss things that we've come across in our reading or wanderings that we would like to take and make our own. Um, you go first. I'm going to go first. Okay. So I am reading um, Charlie Jane Anders' uh, latest book, which I think is called All the Birds in the Sky. I'm so, it's so funny. I'm so not a titles person, um, although I can picture the cover. Um, but so I'm, try, I'm trying to like, what is the book called? And anyway, uh, I, yeah, All the Birds in the Sky. I'm right. Um, anyway, it's, I love the voice. You know, it's, it's so pleasurable. Um, it has something to do with the rhythms of, the kinds of books I read to my kids, but it's but it's absolutely like it feels aimed to me as an adult. Um, although it starts with the characters being kids, um, so it, so it has just and of course it has it's it sort of fantasy and sci-fi. So it has some a lot of those elements that I'm at least mostly getting through the books I'm reading with my kids. But um, but it's also got this very um, intimate kind of third, third close third that, that movable close third between the two main characters um so anyway so i'm just really enjoying it and i think the thing i'm most inspired to steal at the moment is um 
is the just that kind of casual, pleasurable voice of somebody who just is talking to you um, in a way that is colloquial to, you know, to, to this time. Um, so that's, and then I think, you know, I'm also going to use it for Sonoma County Writers Camp in, in August because we're looking at the things we can take from all the genres. And so, you know, here's a book that is, has sort of almost, it feels like realism except when, you know, birds talk and, um, and secret, you know, spaceships to Mars are being built or whatever is a time, like, time machine. Like Wildwood at all or? Right. I mean, it reminds me of, of sort of middle grade books like that. Um, but it's, but you know, it's, it's, it's really, I don't know, it's well-written and it's very engaging to me. And some of those aren't. It's, it's, it's well, got a little edge, tacky part to that book, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was a very brilliant book. That was one of the top five um, when it came out in hardcover by the name by the Independent Booksellers Association. I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. and I think it won. It won uh, the Hugo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's so that's I don't know. I'm, I'm you know that's what I know right now and midway through that I want to steal. <laughs> um, and uh well you know right now i'm reading uh martin seligman's hope circuit the hope circuit and it's a and he's just talking it's a memoir and he's just sort of telling his little life story about how he came to be uh the person who's launching like one of the founders of um you know, positive psychology, right? So focusing, and he actually started by uh, studying learned helplessness. And mm-hmm. um, and so I don't really think I have a deep like steal this, except to say that, you know, as these different moments happen, he and his partner sort of had the wherewithal to see things not as everybody else was looking at them. So the learned helplessness piece, they were doing... Um, a test to see whether these dogs who had been shocked in relationship to a buzzer, because it's the 50s and it was okay to do that, um, you know, they wanted to see if they could learn to do it, leap away from the electric shock faster. And so they tried to kind of use the conditioned response to the this buzzer to see what would happen. And what eventually became clear is the dogs stopped trying. They, they wouldn't move in response to the electric shock. It didn't matter if there was a buzzer. And so what other people thought of as an annoyance, because the dogs weren't responding in, in the way they had expected them to, he and his partner realized, like, wait a minute, there's a fundamental belief that this animal has, which is no matter what I do, it doesn't matter. And so they basically upended a bunch of stuff at the time because, A, most people were like, uh, you can't study cognition. You can't mm. – animals don't have cognition. Mm. So I think I'm just looking for those places this week where, you know, everybody's got one set of ideas and I'm going to try and see what's missing. Nice. <laughs> Vicky, how about you? Well, I guess I'll go to the Leaf Anger book, um, Virgil Wander, I, because when I read it, there were a lo- bunch of lights. So when I'm going to talk about writing, because mm-hmm. why not? I love it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yes. and a bunch of lights went off, and one was just how he created tension in this book in such an interesting way. I mean, you know, here I am writing my book, and I'm writing like you know, my, each scene is like five pages. Mm-hmm. His scenes were, you know 
maybe one page mm-hmm. and then it, it flew to the next page. And it was, um, so I thought to myself, you know what exercise I should do? I should take this mammoth thing I've written and take each scene and say, I can only use 500 words mm-hmm. and just just as an exercise and pare it down because I find that um, what I'm doing for sure I know is I'm overtelling and I'm and in overtelling I'm not allowing that tension to you know in this book I found out like it must have been three-fourths the way about his love interests right and that person and the love interest was in the book from the beginning but it was you know what I'm saying that that everything that the character knew it was a first person narrative. Um, I didn't know. And I just uh, and I just loved sitting inside that head and him not thinking that was important enough to tell me. And it wasn't like he wasn't, um, you know, a credible narrator, but it was more that he was just circumspect. And, mm. you know, this is what was important now. Right, right. Sometimes if you're, if you're close enough to a character, they're not they're just not thinking about that kind of framework circumstance. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I re- I've really been thinking about that because uh, my main character, which is really, you know, based on myself, is uh, is a character who, you know, says one thing, but then strangely ends up doing exactly the opposite. So <laughs> <laughs> we can relate to that. We all can relate to that. I love that. I, I love that editing sort of self-editing assignment. Um and the short scenes reminds me of also of all the light we cannot see, right? Those little chapters and you just, you keep turning the page. Yeah, you do. I mean, it was, it was really, um, I was shocked about how much like, you know, was withheld from me and everything was super engaging. And then it just, the whole no- novel was just like another gear shift up every time he laid a new thing on me. I was mm. like, holy, we got that going on. And so, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think that is a very interesting um, way to develop tension. So I'm, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm looking into. That is fabulous. Um, Vicki, tell people where they can find you and, and all things book. Um, well, they can call me or they can uh, find me on my website, allthingsbook.org. And uh, there's a little evolution now on my website. That's uh, largely a business site uh, with business books. And um, I'll be debuting a event site here in August. So, you know, I think if you could find me through allthingsbook.org, you would, you know, or you can put Vicki, V-I-C-K-I in front of it at allthingsbook.org and just email me and then save yourself all that trouble. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've got incredible things coming up. So we will all keep our ear to the ground for those. Thank you so much. This was fun. It was super fun. Thank you. (laughs) 